Have you ever wondered how the Marine Corps determines how to integrate systems worn and carried by Marines? Cue the Gruntworks Squad Integration Facility. In recent years, the Marine Corps Rifle Squad has undergone modernization efforts to modify its size, armament, and equipment to increase lethality, expand capabilities, and achieve victory on new battlefields. Our Gruntworks facility here at Quantico is critical to modernizing the Marine Rifle Squad. Joining me today is Mr. Mark Richter, Project Officer for the Marine Expeditionary Rifle Squad, or MERS, team here at Marine Corps Systems Command, and the manager of Gruntworks. Welcome to the show today, Mark. Thank you. Well, I'm, I'm glad to have you here. Uh, I will say that when I was first sort of interviewing for the job, I was asked who I wanted to have on the show, and you were one of the two I named. We've already <laughs> done the other one, so I'm glad to have you here. So you and I, we've known each other for quite a long time, but for those of us who don't know you, can you tell us a bit about yourself, where you're from, and how you ended up here at CISCOM? Okay, so I'm the team lead for the Marine Expeditionary Rifle Squad, and Marine Corps Systems Command was my last duty station on active duty. I uh, retired in 2005 and then uh, came on into the program as a civilian employee and then worked from there to see how we could uh, make the program better over the years. Took NPS, uh, Human Systems Integration uh, Master's Program, and just tried to learn better from uh, others of how best to do the integration job. Can you give us a bit about your Marine Corps career? Why'd you, why'd you become a Marine? Oh, why? Why? I'm an AM tracker uh, as far as my MOS. My father was an AM tracker from 52 to 82, so it became a family tradition and something I really enjoyed. You were known for wearing multiple hats, so tell us a bit more about what you do for MERS and Gruntworks and What's the distinction between the two? MERS, or the Marine Expeditionary Rifle Squad, is the program itself. Gruntworks is really the tool that provides the uh, integration capability. So it really does all of that. Uh, some of the other hats I, I currently wear are human systems integration, uh, leading that effort, and the human research protection program on the HRPO for the, uh, for the command. For those of us that don't know, what is a Marine Rifle Squad? So currently, the Marine Rifle Squad is the foundation. It's the smallest unit within the infantry community that has a standing mission. So our, our current rifle squad is 13 Marines. Uh, as we work through force design, that number of Marines within the squad is changing, and so are the billets. So it's still an experimentation with uh, the warfighting lab, but we'll see how that comes out, but probably a larger squad than 13 Marines. So as I understand it, you and your MERS team are somewhat responsible for finger quotes, engineering the Marine Rifle Squad, or how would you say that? It's really a balance of multiple items. Uh, it's looking at how the squad as a system actually operates. So squad as a system, the fit of the equipment across all the different individuals within the squad, uh, looking at how do we test and measure the performance of the squad with all that equipment and what capability does it add to them. The configuration of the squad is one item, the thermal burden that the equipment provides as the Marine wears it, the mobility of the Marine, and then the power consumption requirements of the squad overall. What's a thermal burden? Thermal burden is uh, when you're out in a hot environment, much like we have here at Quantico this time of the summer. But once you put all that gear on and you're starting to increase your work rate, making sure that your physiology uh, keeps you below heat exhaustion. I remember when Gruntworks was out on Barrett Heights Road. Can you give us a Brief overview of the history of Gruntworks itself and its mission. So Gruntworks was uh, first started uh, with the assistance of Raytheon. Uh, it was a congressional plus up to see could you develop a, a 
integration facility that had all the engineering uh, and equipment available to do sorts of uh, different types of integration work. And so we ended up in the second floor of, of an office space there, kind of had an idea of what a squad integration facility might look like, put it together, had a 3D, a small 3D printer at the time, different tools, got all the equipment in there, O&R put, put in a small immersive trainer uh, in the area representing uh, the Middle Eastern environment so that we could do some human factors testing. And that was kind of the, the focal point, human factors engineering overall. It was a great start, but it had its limitations. Main thing was everything that came into the facility either had to come up through an elevator or, or through a window, so you couldn't get very large objects in there. And there was nothing we could really do with mobility platforms within the facility itself. And then about 2010, uh, doing a lot of work at the time with distributed operations and enhanced company operations with the Warfighting Lab, the facility that we now have over at TBS was an old night lab, and uh, they were looking to get rid of it. We picked it up, did the transfer from McWill to Syscom, and uh, did an immediate renovation and moved the facility on base in May of 2012, and then that's where we've been ever since. So as I recall, the old facility, right, you had a locker room where people would gear up, and then they could go in and run through scenarios and stuff like that. Yeah, it was a basic start of what could a squad integration facility actually look like. And we learned a lot from it. But now in the facility we have, we can actually bring the mobility platforms in there and work on them in the high bay area. And we've expanded and learned a lot through the years of what could we actually do better. The Army's right now building a, uh, a new facility up at Natick, uh, similar to that, trying to leverage how do you get all the testing resources in a facility together in one place to generate the integration work itself. So that first start was what, 2007? 2007. Okay. All right. So how does then MERS fit into that? What is what is the Grunt Works facility doing to facilitate the MERS mission? So the MERS mission really is to, to look at everything worn, carried, and consumed by the Marine and integration of the Marine within the mobility platforms. So it's a lot of systems engineering, uh, human systems integration, uh, test and analysis, those sorts of things. So the MERS is the program of record, and then Gruntworks is really the biggest tool in the toolbox, but it's also the home of where everything comes together to bring different types of programs, whether it's PM Traces in Orlando, JLTV program, or programs right here at Quantico, bring them all together so that we have one facility that accommodates all the work together in one environment and provides all the tools and resources in one location. Most of the time when we think platform, we're going to think a large vehicle or something like that. But in your case, your platform is one Marine or 13 Marines is some of what you're looking at as the platform, right? Correct. We in general, we're constantly looking for ways to modernize the force. How does the work that you and your folks do at Gruntworks help to ensure that we're ready for the future fight? So really what makes uh, Gruntworks actually uh, come together is that it's not just a Syscom asset. It's a Syscom managed asset, but it's there to support our counterparts at CDNI and at PPNO to really bring that triad together uh, in, a, in conjunction with the Warfighting Lab, ONR, and, and TCOM. Uh, it brings that all together. So some of the things that the program has in place right now is the MERS ICD. The MERS ICD 
uh, is a document that provides the requirements for what are the capabilities and gaps required for the squad in the future. And so currently we have 16 gaps identified from the 2015 uh, MROC approved ICD. And that's what uh, we've been working towards and other programs leverage that I ICD in their individual programs. Anthropometrics or anthropometry, that's kind of a mouthful of a word. It's a word I don't think I knew before I met you. W what is it? So anthropometry is measurement of the human bodies. So back in 2010, uh, we really commissioned the first uh, the first ever full anthropometric study of the Marine Corps. So there were 1,300 males measured and a little over 600 females looking at 93 uh, different type measurements that give us all the design criteria for everything from our uniforms that we wear to body armor to helmets to crew station work design to seating uh, 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 in vehicle platforms and things of that nature. Uh, it's... Uh, we're getting ready to do a new anthropometry survey uh, for the Marine Corps. Uh, it's going to uh, fill in some of the gaps that I think we have in our 2010 study. So a lot of focus on our lower 15 percentile Marines and our, our top upper 15 percentile Marines. We're going to look at Marines in functional anthropometry, such that certain different type tasks, and also equipped anthropometry. So anthropometry, not just semi-nude, but with our gear on and what does that mean? So seating fully equipped for vehicle platforms, looking at functional back length, functional leg length, your ability to eye, uh, eye, eye height through looking through windshields and things of that nature. Seatbelts fit very differently when you're wearing your gear. Exactly. Right. So when you did that first anthropometric study, how different did you find the Marine Corps today or 13 years ago from what we had believed we had from an anthropometric point of view. We actually had the Army do the initial one, and we participated. In, in the 15 years since then, uh, our, our uh, demographics have changed. The roles that uh, uh, the men and women are filling now in the Marine Corps have changed. We had the integration uh, study back in the 2016 time frame. Uh, now uh, females are fully integrated within the Marine Corps. So we're looking at it from a, a much larger aspect now, I think, uh, and also looking at the demographics of the Marine Corps have changed over that period of time. Uh, we're still the one service that's meeting our, our recruiting goals, but what is the young men and women of today look like is probably a little bit different from the 2010 time frame. Okay. Okay. So talk to me about the Marine Corps Loads, Effects, and Assessment Program or the McLeap. What, what is that? Okay, well, that was born out of, uh, in the 2008-2009 time frame, uh, working with the body armor teams of uh, Marines saying, hey, we want survivability, but we also want mobility. And so we need a balance between the two. We can't just be totally armored up and unable to move. So quantifying survivability as far as what rounds will a body armor stop, those sorts of things, fragmentation, we can do that. But we didn't have a metric to actually measure the mobility on the other side of the equation. And that's where we looked at a lot of the battalion surveys we were doing in Iraq and Afghanistan, looking at uh, the responses to the questions. And two questions uh, very specifically that we asked in all the surveys were, 
what were the most physically demanding tasks you had to do during your deployment, and what were the most common tasks you had to do during your deployment. So through all those answers and responses, we called out 11 different items that the Marines said were physically demanding and common tasks. And those components became the, the bedrock of the McLeet program. So the Marine Corps Load Effects Assessment Program of how we could measure mobility through those different tasks. And the Marines' mobility, uh, the limitation, is not just weight by itself. The Marines' burden is uh, composed of three elements. Weight is one of them. Stiffness is one. And bulk is one of those. So those three items together uh, uh, impact a Marine's mobility. We can measure those three independently through this course. Uh, the course has been uh, identified as it's very sensitive to changes in equipment, and it doesn't favor a tall person or, or a small person at all. So when we talk about the McLeap, it is fundamentally, it's an obstacle course that you'll put a specific set of gear on a Marine and send them through, right? That's correct. It's, it, it is one... The biggest component is the obstacle course. We also have a hike element as well that on certain items that uh, uh, do not fit on the obstacle course, we can evaluate them through a hike protocol that we have in place. And it's, it's reasonably uh, mobile, right? You've taken it from here to Lejeune and Pendleton and whatever. Pack it up in two ISO containers. Currently, we have two courses. One is located right here at Quantico beside Grunt Works, and the other one is sitting at Camp Lejeune, uh, North Carolina, ready to roll. I remember marveling when you were first telling me about McLeap some years ago, and it seemed very groundbreaking in its concept and implementation. But as they say, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. I understand that some other countries and services may have uh, copied your brainchild. Yes. So since, uh, since the, uh, it started out, uh, the Army now has three systems. Okay. Uh, Australia has it, Canada, the Netherlands, Singapore, and the UK all have their own individual courses. Uh, we've hosted other countries. We had Norway and Sweden here. They brought their troops and their gear and ran the course here at Quantico to look at their mobility uh, initially. And it's also become uh, a NATO stand as the method for measuring mobility through, throughout NATO. We all know that for Marines, mobility is survivability. So how does the work you're doing on, at GruntWorks lead to a more mobile fighting force? So we can evaluate the changes in equipment to mobility and speed of Marines. So uh, we've done that uh, recently uh, focusing on different types of plates and plate thicknesses. Uh, it was the genesis for the lightweight plate uh, because of significant impact uh, improvement of mobility and speed. And that uh, we were able to quantify as how much increase in survivability that speed added. So the probability of getting hit anywhere, not just on a plate, but anywhere on your body, uh, because you're faster, did actually improve survivability. So it gives you that quantitative data uh, for informed decision-making by leadership. Uh, we talk a lot about feedback from the Fleet Marine Force, uh, being able to, uh, to use that as an integral part of the work that we do. How does it work for you? What, what do you hear back from the fleet, uh, whether it's uh, the fleet in general or the Marines that have come in and run through the McLeap and, and anything else you're doing with Groundworks? So one of the things we've had in place uh, since 2018 was we did a, an MOA with 2nd Marine Division to try and, and uh, improve our timeline for getting access to Marines to participate. And so uh, working with 2nd Marine Division it gives us Durlaw to uh, 2nd Battalion, 2nd Marines. 
They really support all the programs here within uh, Syscom that come through us, and it's a mechanism to conduct LUEs and events. What's unique about the EMOA is we try and use the unit's training schedule. So we don't create additional taskers or additional events. We try to look at the unit's training schedule and go, okay, they're doing a hike in a month and a half. Let's, if we have hike stuff to do, we'll do it during that hike that they've already got on their training schedule. So try and minimize uh, the FOS messages to eliminate them if at all possible and then use this unit that understands what we're trying to do there from a, a user evaluation. The other thing that we've been able to do is actually set up integration squad. So typically uh, here within Syscom, program offices test a specific item with a group of Marines over a period of time. What we tried to do with the integration squad is then bring those items together within one squad to see how they work with each other and how that squad, what capability they actually add, and is there a synergy in, in effect with them? Or is there something that we didn't pick up on that could be an integration problem overall? So what about the warfighting lab and uh, combat development and integration? Do you talk to them a lot, a little so we work closely with both of them. Uh, it's good to know that McWill does experimentation. That's their charter. They, they do the experimentation. Uh, we try to assist, but our role in there is we do integration. Okay, So anything that they're going to uh, bring out through the experimentation process is going to have to have an integration component to it. For CD&I, the greatest opportunity for integration is in the requirements generation process. We all need to work to help inform requirements, and a good requirement is the best opportunity to do all the integration work. So I know that working here at Systems Command here at MERS, you're not working in a vacuum. So how well and in what fashion do you actually work with the other program offices? So we try and uh, within the portfolios, the three portfolios, maintain a constant presence. Uh, we do a lot of outreach stuff. We also outreach because of geographic separation out to PM Traces and the other programs that aren't uh, located right here in the Northern Virginia area. Uh, a lot of it's face-to-face, -face, meeting with leadership, and actually trying to provide them a service from ourselves. So when we are working with all the different programs, we don't charge them anything for the work that we do, the human systems integration work, all these things, the user evaluations, we do it as a service, and we provide the, the mechanism to have some expertise in these different areas. Okay, now I know we talked a little bit earlier about the Army has built three McLeaplex systems. I'm sure they call it something else. What, what do you do with the Weather Center Services relative to uh, your, your efforts at MERS? So we, we do have a good relationship with PEO Soldier. Our sister counterpart there is actually the assistant PEO for Futures and Integration. So they're working their architecture. They have a soldier integration facility at uh, Fort Belvoir now established. And so we have that liaison to leverage what each other's learning. We've also worked together to understand what are their strengths and weaknesses and what are our strengths and weaknesses so we can leverage each other. We're only 13 miles apart. Also do a lot of work down at Fort Moore with the soldier requirements where they're headquartered at and with the R&D uh, DEVCOMs that uh, do soldier work throughout the Army. What about with our allies? I, again, you, you mentioned a bunch of them earlier. Do you talk with them a lot in their equipment integration side? In Australia, they actually have Digger Works established. That is a, a sister facility to Gruntworks, modeled after Gruntworks. Recently, the UK uh, opened up their facility in Warminster, known as Tommy Works. 
Uh, Singapore established the Singapore uh, integration, soldier integration facility in Singapore. So a lot of things, outreach that we've done through the years has uh, created other organizations much like ours uh, that we are actually able to leverage. In addition, working with the NATO Land Capability Group on Dismounted Soldier Systems provides an outreach to all the different allies out there and share information on a routine uh, semi-annual basis. So what about MARSOC or, or maybe SOCOM more generally? MARSOC has facilitated one of our most recent McLeap efforts, looking at combat uniforms with integrated knee and elbow pads. They provided that as a resource for us to evaluate for the general purpose force. So we try and keep a open dialogue with both, both of those. Do you work with industry much? We do some work with industry. We really try and look at what are the program's interest areas and and leverage what they want to get done within uh, industry. So we don't go out there just on our own trying to leverage everything. We do look at new technologies and new capabilities, but we don't open a, uh, a work package, if you will, unless uh, a program has a intent uh, or interest area in that. It's more in conjunction with the three portfolios and their PMs. Right. What are their industry partners? Got it. What, what's next for your team? What, where, where's MERS headed? So the anthropometry survey update is going to be one of our, our biggest work efforts over the next two and a half years. So that's, that's going to be a lot of work we're planning on is doing uh, uh, measurements for two weeks at a time. And then we'll have about three weeks where we can do other tasks while while we also analyze the quality of the data and make sure everything is good. But that's going to be a lot of work as we bring uh, focus on those lower 15 percentiles and upper 15 percentiles. We're doing full body scans, full body scans in different equipment sets, uh, that sort of thing. So that's going to be the, the primary uh, focus for us. What advice do you have to someone who would be interested in working in Marine Corps acquisition? I think one of the biggest advantages you can get is to know your user community. So who, who, who's going to be using the equipment you're, you're procuring and how are they going to use it? Knowing that and what you're adding to them as far as the capability is, uh, is pretty gratifying and probably uh, your, your best job satisfaction for, for this job. All right. Well, Mark, I really appreciate uh, you coming in and, and having a conversation with us today. But, uh, you know, we've got these questions, uh, the lightning round questions. Right. You ready to do those? Ready. When you were a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? Uh, A Marine. Mission accomplished. Great job. If you could have dinner with any historical figure, who would it be? Uh, I think I'd pick uh, General Lejeune. Uh, His love of the Corps and and what he started in the Marine Corps and what it's become since, I think it'd be a great uh, dinner. Excellent choice. And we get to hear his birthday message every year. So Amen. Good call. Do you have any tips for maintaining a work-life balance? No, I'm, I'm probably not the best role model for that, but you got you to gotta take care of both. What's a TV show, book, movie, or podcast that you'd recommend? Forrest Gump, because it basically covers everything. Well, Mark, again, thank you very much. We've been friends for years, work colleagues. I really wanted to get you uh, on the podcast, so thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. Well, this concludes another episode of Equipping the Corps. I hope you've enjoyed our conversation today. If so, please take a couple minutes to leave us a review, subscribe, and tell your friends about us. Until next time, stay safe. This is Trip Elliott, signing off.